conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide story that affects you. I'm Shayna Roth. It's budget season, a time of year that brings both excitement and anxiety all across Lansing. And with Democrats in power in all chambers, I'm guessing Republicans are feeling the anxiety this year. Here with me to break it all down is Alyssa McMurtry of Gongwer. Alyssa, welcome to Mishmash. Hi, thank you for having me. So the governor released her proposed budget this week. It is 79 billion with a B dollars. Alyssa, let's start with the big picture. What are the big or unique asks in this proposal? Uh, Well, I think the biggest one that everyone has been talking about um, is the K through 12 budget. Um, I think particularly we've seen this increase for per pupil funding. Um, We've seen it the last few years, Um, but there has also been a proposed reduction about 20% um, for all cyber charter schools. And that's kind of had some mixed reviews. Um, there is, you know, there was some talk about if Democrats ever got control again, this would be something that they would look to. Um, and, you know, with this being the first time that we've had this Democratic trifecta, um, she introduced it right away. So, you know, there there has been some mixed reviews, some people from um, some advocates for cyber charter schools aren't very happy with it. They feel that their students are being left out. And I, I don't know if Republicans will pick that one up. There's also a universal pre-K that's also been a little bit of an issue. Um, obviously, no one is against uh, preschool for four-year-olds, uh, but there is some question about funding um, and, you know, where where are all these educators going to come from? There's a teacher shortage, not only with K through 12, but also with preschool. Um, and especially for the Great Start Readiness Program, there's about, you know, there's thousands and thousands of slots open. Um currently now as it stands um, without the expansion. So if it is expanded, you know, how how are kids going to be able to get access to those schools? Um, how are parents going to know that it's available to them? Um, and, you know, where are they going to get those educators? So I, I think it's a very optimistic budget for the Democrats. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's definitely filled with a lot of their hopes and dreams that they've had over the last few years. Um, but we will see how it goes. There's a slim majority. Um, in both the House and the Senate. Part of the reason that Governor Whitmer is able to ask for so much is the state has about a $9 billion surplus. When it comes to that money specifically, is Whitmer planning to spend it or put it in the rainy day fund? And talk us through where that money came from. Well, I think she is, you know, she's planning to spend it for sure. I think, you know, there's some talk about this tax plan um, that's literally trying to get through today. Um, The Democrats are trying to get that through Um, and not have that income tax reduction um, down to about 4.05%. But it it looks like she wants to spend it. Um, There would be about $250 million left from the $9 billion surplus with the budget and possibly with this tax plan. Um, But, you know, I I don't know. It's it's hard to say um, how this will go. It's hard to say if you know, Republicans will want to keep more on the balance sheet. Uh, we know that they've been kind of hesitant to really go into surpluses in the past. So that is also, there's a lot of questions up in the air for sure. 
let's dig into some of the details here. Let's talk taxes in this plan. Whitmer wants to send out a one-time $180 checks to tax filers. So let's let's start there. Why? Why $180? Who would qualify? And, and what is the point? Because I know that there are some people out there who can't even file their taxes for $180. Yes. So it's tax filers, not taxpayers, which is um, pretty big. So that means for joint married couples, they would just be getting, you know, that singular $180 check. Um, I, you know, personally, obviously, I can't say why $180. Um, we know that with, you know, last year, the catastrophic fund, um, when it came to those auto refunds, we saw, you know, not a lot of money, about 400 or so dollars, but it was more than the 180 that is proposed. Um, and, you know, just from some constituent reactions, it seems that a lot of people feel that this is not enough. Um, $180, you know, they feel won't cover the increase they see at the grocery store, at the gas station, uh, just, you know, and everywhere, everyday life. It's unclear why $180. I think the whole idea is to chip away at that $9 billion surplus. But again, you have, you know, $9 billion surplus. Has she really dug into why they want to give any sort of checks out? Well, I think the whole idea is um, that they don't want to see that reduction in that income tax rate, right? With the inflation um, surpassing tax revenue. The Republicans definitely want people to see that reduction. Absolutely no questions asked. Um, But, you know, Democrats don't want that. They want to keep, you know, the income tax rate where it is. And so to do that, they could send out those checks, those one-time checks. Um, So I think that's, you know, I think that's why a lot of people think that she wants to do this, I guess you could call it a a pre-recession stimulus check, possibly. But, you know, the I think the $180 has definitely hung a lot of people up. I think when they announced this plan last week on Friday, um, they didn't give too many details away. And they didn't give us a number. Um, and then on Monday, they revealed that number of 180. And I think a lot of Republicans were, you know, not outraged, but definitely frustrated um, at this idea of, OK, we will put money back in our constituents' pockets, but it's, you know, it's $180. It's not even $200. Um, so what is it? What is it really going to chip away at? So I don't, you know, it's it would it would be interesting if it did get cleared, um, but we could also see it not happen. Yeah. What are some of the other areas that Whitmer is looking for tax relief? I know that tax relief right now is sort of like the big topic in Lansing. Does she have any other ways of providing tax relief in the proposed budget? Yes. So obviously the other big two ones are the um, retirement tax, repealing the retirement tax um, and expanding EITC. She's now calling it, though, um, the working families tax credit. Previously was the earned income tax credit. Um, but this would be expanding it to 30%. I think right now it's about at 6%. Um, and this, you know, it's interesting that this has not gotten through. We've kind of seen a lot of support on both sides, um, even before the most recent midterm elections to expand it to 30%. There was some talk about 20%, but I think both Democrats and Republicans kind of landed at 30% at the end of the last legislative session. Um but, you know, I think with the tax, expanding the tax, she wants to put it, you know, in a plan, in a bundle. You know, that's where we also see the repealing of the retirement tax and now this $180 of inflation check relief or inflation relief checks. But EITC is a big one. I think that probably 
will get the most headway. Um, the repealing of the retirement tax also could, but I think a lot of Republicans want to see that obviously expanded to the private sector as well. I think right now it just covers the public sector um, and possibly some in the private sector, but I think they would kind of like it to be all across the board, private and public, um, to repeal that retirement tax. Republicans, I'm sure, had a big response to this, and you kind of touched a little bit on their response. Overall, let's dig into to what they're feeling. And you also mentioned charter schools. What are the, the naysayers of this budget proposal saying? I think they are, I mean, you know, Republicans are historically a little more conservative when it comes to uh, spending a lot of the money that they receive. Um, but I think with the cyber charter schools, I think it, it feels, you know, I mean, this this state of the state address, we saw the Republicans wearing, well, not wearing, but they had yellow shirts um, to represent School of Choice Week. Um, we kind of saw that heightened throughout the midterm elections, this whole idea of school of choice, you know, going away from public schools and going to private schools or charter schools um, that are, you know, better suited to their constituents' needs. Um, and, you know, that was also a big, a big debate point between um, Governor Whitmer and then Republican gubernatorial candidate Tudor Dixon. Um, this whole idea of school of choice, she, you know, backed Betsy DeVos's plan to have student opportunity scholarships that follow the student that are available to both private and public school students. Um, so it almost feels like, oh, I'm sure Republicans probably feel like this is a little bit of Miss Whitmer getting back at them for, you know, kind of trying to push that school voucher scheme, quote unquote, um, push that through last legislative term and then try to get that through with um, the citizen-led petition, um, let my kids learn, and obviously have Miss Dixon hit on it a bunch during her uh, campaign. Um, so I'm I'm sure they feel as if you know with the recent talk from the Republicans and from more conservative parents that you know public schools are indoctrinating children, um, that this is kind of a little bit of a jab back at them um, for promoting cyber schools and for promoting private schools and charter schools and gearing away from that public school system. How does this proposed budget compare to previous budgets proposed by Governor Whitmer? Obviously, it's a little bit of an increase. Um, we've kind of seen an increase year after year. But I think this one in particular focuses a lot on schools. You know, we haven't always seen that in the past. I, we, I mean, we've definitely seen a lot of increases in funding, obviously. But this one is really, really geared towards um, providing those supports that she wanted, um, especially that universal pre-K. Um, there's also a waiting funding formula. We also see universal um, free breakfast and lunch for students. Um, and of course that continued um, investment into mental health supports that she really advocated for last year um, and that people on both sides of the legislature uh, advocated for last year. So I, I think in that way, it's a little bit different. Uh, we also saw a um, temporary um, lowering of the age for the Michigan Reconnect program, which offers free tuition for students who are looking for post-secondary options or any type of accreditation. Um, right now it's at the 25 years or older. Now we would reduce it to about 21. And there's obviously a few million, well, a few hundred million, I should say, um, to help expand those efforts. 
Um, so I think this this particular budget is definitely, without a doubt, very education focused. Um, not that the others haven't been, but I think this one, there's a lot more universal um, opportunities that she's pushing for um, and just a lot more expansion of access. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about Michigan's unemployment insurance agency. This is a department that has come under fire quite a lot recently, and you spoke with Director Julia Dale. What are some of the main areas that Director Dale has identified for improvement, particularly given their recent uh, issues with out-of-date software resulting in the denial of a lot of claims and false accusations of fraud? Right. I think uh, the biggest thing that she has noticed and that she has definitely pushed for um, it's like you mentioned, you know, this older software. She wants to modernize it um, and, you know, bring the agency, I guess, more so in the future than it is now. Um, you know, when I talked to her a few weeks ago, um, she mentioned that, you know, this isn't an issue that only Michigan is dealing with. This is an issue that other states are dealing with. This, this old software um, that was not in any way um adequately equipped to deal with the influx that we saw with the 2020 pandemic. Um, and, you know, it, we weren't the only state um, that had billions in overpayment for Michigan. We had $3.9 billion in overpayments um, to in and two ineligible claimants. Um, there was also, you know, a lack of communication. She also mentioned that there was a lack of communication, not only between constituents, between claimants, and um, the agency, but also within the agency itself. And I think we kind of saw that a lot in the uh, recent audits from the Office of the Auditor General um, that kind of looked into, you know, how do, how do we have this $3.9 billion in overpayments? Uh, we saw, you know, for about nine months or so, they had um, incorrect criteria that people would file their claims under. Um, and then when it was corrected, you know, then those people eventually a few months later got those letters saying, okay, you need to pay back, you know, this much money because you were, you weren't eligible at the time. And even though, yes, we paid you this money and yes, it's probably gone. You're going to have to pay that back. So we saw a lot of panic from that. Um, and then obviously she's issued those waivers. Um, and, you know, it's, it seems that the director is very focused on two big things, right? Modernization and communication. Speaking of that communication piece of it, you mentioned in your piece that the UIA has a partnership with Sevilla, which is a design firm based in Detroit, and the director made a point of sort of mentioning them as well. What is what is important about Sevilla and how is this going to help them with their communication problem with the public? Yes. Yeah, so Sevilla, um, when she first announced it, I want to say about a year ago that they were doing this partnership with Sevilla, um, she mentioned that Sevilla would help them have what she would call a human centered approach, right? So making it easier and communicating with the claimants as people, as, you know, people that are going to a website, you know, at a point in their lives because they're unemployed for whatever reason, um, going to a website, looking to get that money to hold them over temporarily um, until they land on their feet again. Um, so this, you know, it, it's the big thing with that is you know, better communication, clearer correspondence. I think a lot of the issues that a lot of claimants faced when they were filing for unemployment was that they didn't necessarily understand what the language was or what 
the agency was saying to them in these weekly correspondence letters or, you know, here's how you look for jobs while you're unemployed and here's if you even qualify for that, right? Um, so this would kind of simplify that language, fine tune that language. Um, and the other thing too that she did um, was that she took contract workers off of the telephones, off of that, you know, communication um, and put state employees on instead. Um, she's also had them gone through training um, and, you know, she had the frontline staff, I guess you call it, um, go through that. And then she has plans to have, you know, the rest of the staff go through that in phases. Uh, but yeah, Sevilla, her, the partnership with Sevilla, um, the whole point of it is to just improve their customer service overall, just make it easier and, and better and, and more, I don't know, humanistic, I guess, if you will, to file for those claims. You've gone through a lot of the different uh, problems that the agency has had, some of the plans to improve uh, on those problems. Talk us through how the department's plans are going to impact Michiganders. Right. Well, I think the biggest thing, um, just like any you know, state agency, um, that modernization always goes a long way. Um, an easier-to-use interface um, instructions on how to use the interface if you've never used it before. Um, it, it incentivizes people more. It makes them feel that their government is definitely working for them instead of against them. So I think this will definitely kind of chip away at this image that a lot of people have of the UIA as kind of being behind this screen, you know, a little a little shady for lack of a better word um and kind of open it up and give them almost a face to the agency Alyssa mcmurtry is a reporter for gongwer Alyssa, thank you so much for joining me here today on mishmash thank you so much for having me shana Mishmash is produced by WDET, Detroit's NPR station. This episode was produced by myself, Shayna Roth, and the man who always has a backup plan, Hearns Laguerre Jr. Our news director is Jerome Vaughn, and our podcast manager is David Lyons. Our digital team is Dave Kim and Sophia Joswiak, and our podcast interns are Ashley Harris, Patrick Burness, and Jack Philbrandt. As always, if you listen to this podcast and you want to support it, and we really hope you do, you can do so by leaving us a review, or if you really, really, really really want to help us out, you can support WDET. Just go to WDET.org slash give without your contributions. This show and all the other amazing programming on WDET is just not possible. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. 